Well, welcome to the front porch. This is Lewis. I'm, I'm about tired of uh, introducing myself. I've been doing these podcasts now for a little while, so you guys should know my voice. But in case there's new people on the porch, I'm Lewis Love, uh, one of the front porch guys. And uh, somehow Thabiti, um, in his very authoritarian way, made me the podcast guy. And so um, I'll be doing these podcasts for a while. Tonight, though, today on the porch, tonight, wherever it depends on where you are, uh, I have some real special guests. I am really, really excited uh, to bring to the fr- for the first time, I think. Is that right? For the fr- They're nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first time. I think you guys, you guys probably know this name, uh, Reyes. And so I have Pastor and Dr. Reyes. Welcome to the front porch, you guys. <laughs> Thank you, brother. It's an honor to be here. Um, uh, I met Aaron uh, probably a couple of months ago, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, we discovered something, Dr. Reyes. I'm referring to Mrs. Reyes as Dr. Reyes, in case you guys are wondering. <laughs> and, 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 and Pastor Lou, that's what I do in the house, too. Okay, <laughs> I do right, that in man. the crib. That's right, man. <laughs> See, you've been trained well. <laughs> and uh, I think we just talked. You guys have been married 11 years, right? And she has mm-hmm. you trained yep. already, man. You are, Dr. Reyes, you, <laughs> you are on point. You know what you're doing. <laughs> so so I, uh, when Aaron and I first met, we discovered something, Dr. Reyes. We discovered that um, everybody knows our wives, but nobody knows us. <laughs> that's right. Oh. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> oh, man. So, so you guys, I know out there in social media land, you all know Dr. Michelle Right. Reyes. Well, I know y'all do. And so um, I'm on porch with her husband. (laughs) That's right. That's good. That's right. (laughs) So um, it's exciting to have you guys on. Um, Again, we did meet uh, Aaron. I met Aaron. I've been reading so much of of your work, Dr. Reyes, on again, on social media, other outlets. I've been seeing your name and, and, and seeing your work. And so when I met Aaron, I'm like, yeah, I know that name. I know that name. And so uh, Aaron is one of the board members uh, for the Creek Collective. And uh, I've just been waiting. I've been excited about talking with you guys. And Mm. we got a little bit of Aaron's testimony uh, when he came on board for the Creek Collective. And I just wanted to bring you guys on the porch and chat. And uh, and for the, the audience that we have, in case they don't know you, Dr. Reyes, we know they don't know Aaron, but in case they don't know, <laughs> I'm a stranger. That's what it is. <laughs> we're just we're, we're man. You know we're in this fraternity, right. right? This is a fraternity, man. Men who are married to famous wives, right? That's right. Famous That's right. godly, godly Christian wives, right? Amen. Oh, Amen. Man. So <laughs> I just play the background. That's, you know? what, <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. And so, and we love we love that role that God has given That's us, right. right? Yeah, Amen. we're not we're not fretting it. But I mm-hmm. wanted folks to just. Um, just to uh, get to know you guys better. And, uh, and so we're going to chat a little bit. We're going to talk about, you know, how you guys, uh, you know, how you were raised, how you came up, how you came to know the Lord, how you met the church plant there in, in Austin, Texas. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, your position in the church, Dr. Reyes. That's, 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 that's new and exciting mm-hmm. for us, good stuff. And as a bonus... Because I've seen you um, tweet about this uh, back in the uh, in January, 
uh, shortly before the inauguration, I -hmm. saw a tweet of yours uh, talking about our uh, first woman of color vice president. And uh, and I think there's something special about her. You're going to talk about a little bit about that for us, too, and give us your perspective on on that. We need to hear from you and other other women of color about how they feel, uh, what's going on with them, uh, with our new our new uh, vice president. Is that okay? Is that a good format, y'all? Sounds good. Is that I'm good? Let's do it. Who wants to go let's first? And who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about how you were raised, I'll, I'll where let the you doctor were raised? Go. Let the doctor go. There you let go. Let the doctor okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that was great. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm second generation Indian American. Um, my mom is 100% ethnically Indian. Uh, Although she is part of the Indian diaspora, she was born and raised in Uganda, Africa, and her great-great-grandfathers were brought there uh, as forced laborers by the British Empire to build the railroads. And so uh, she was born in, you know, in an Indian village uh, (laughs) in Uganda, Africa, and grew up there. So she, you know... uh, Grew up speaking uh, Swahili as well as Hindi, Gujarati, and then also English uh, because it was a British uh, boarding school that she attended. And then, uh, you know, in the late 60s, during the the time of President Idi Amin, her family Mm -hmm. fled literally with the, you know, the clothes on their, nothing more than the clothes on their back um, as as refugees as, as President Idi Amin waged a genocide against Indians and other minorities in the country. And so um, her family fled to, to, to London. Uh, my mom went on to uh, India to go to college and became a medical technologist and then came to the States in the 70s. Uh, and she was raised Hindu. And, um, you know, she met my dad here in the States. He is of British and German heritage. So he is blonde, you know, blonde haired, <laughs> blue eyed, uh, you know, fair skin. Um and, uh, you know, it was through meeting my dad that she uh, converted to Christianity. Amen. And, um, Amen. And, uh, and so I was raised in a, you know, I, I, I thank God that I was raised in a Christian household. Um, you know, I was raised in Minnesota, so I, our family attended a Northern Baptist church. And, uh, you know, everything that comes with that sort of conservative spaces, you know, when I was a young girl, like my my heroes of the faith were John MacArthur, John Piper, you know, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Sure. Like these were the things that we we were taught, that we devoured. Um, you know, I went to not only a Northern Baptist church, but a Christian school. And so, you know, these were these were sort of the main textbooks of our apologetic and theolo- theology courses, you know, classes and whatnot in high school. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting because Growing up, I look back and there wasn't there wasn't much conversation about culture and race at all, you know. And right, if there right. if there ever was conversation about culture and race, it was it was always in a very negative light, right? Like talking about um, how how poor people are just lazy, or, or talking about um, you know criminalization within the black community and, and things like that. And it wasn't until I went to college. Um, my husband and I we both went to Wheaton College, and um, you know, going on to then also getting a, a you know PhD in uh, German literature, <laughs> which is its own story at the University of Illinois Chicago. That I began to 
um, two things began to happen. The first was in, in getting a, a literature degree, I, I began to learn how to study the Bible literarily. Mm. Uh, you know, growing up, everything was interpreted literally, sure. uh, you know, if you will, um, which which led to a lot of very complicated uh, and problematic readings uh, sure. of, 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 of Scripture. And, and so, you know, learning to see the Bible as literature, understanding mm. everything from allegory and metaphor and symbolism and, and understanding the rich diversity of genres, um, this was very formative for my, my theo- theological understanding of everything, um, but also race and, and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing, which I'll let Aaron speak more to, was uh, him and I meeting, dating, getting married, uh, because it was in the two of us growing in our relationship that we also began our journey of cultural identity together and really began to lean into, okay, who has God made us as an mm-hmm. Indian, as a Mexican? You know, what is it? What does it mean to not be ashamed of our brown skin, but to, to delight in it, to celebrate it, um, and and also studying Scripture together in a way that we began to see color in Scripture. And mm. so, um, you know, in my own faith journey, those two things have been very formative for me. Uh, and, and two things I'm very passionate about today is reading the Bible literarily, not mm-hmm. literally, <laughs> and then seeing color in Scripture. And, and that's, a, that's an important distinction. Those words sound similar. That's mm-hmm. a huge distinction between, and it's even hard to say it, literarily, <laughs> as opposed to there literally. And, and it's interesting because mm-hmm. I grew up in Indiana, um, and I grew up in a traditional, um, traditional historic missionary Baptist <laughs> black church, right? But then when I, when, when, when I met Jamie, just before meeting Jamie, um, we <clears throat> just took an interest in really wanting to know and, and, and study the Bible, and uh, and so then what happens? This is interesting because here here all the way from Uganda, India, Uganda, all the way to Minnesota, and uh, here I'm in South Bend, Indiana, by way of Mississippi and Arkansas. That's where our parents came from, and um, we hook up <laughs> with John MacArthur, <laughs> right? And um, yeah, Charles Stanley was in that group, right? Chuck, mm. Swin- Chuck Swindoll, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. Jay Vernon McGee. Yep. And um, and an influence from Moody Bible Institute, yep. an influence from Dallas Logical Seminary, and since in Indiana, of course, an influence from Grace College and Seminary, and went on the lake, and mm-hmm. and that was kind of the that was the um, that was our, our our that's the way we came up in studying the Bible, and just and just like what you said, uh, Doctor Reyes, whenever whenever. Um, um, the black church, whenever black Christianity was discussed, uh, it was discussed in a pejorative way. <laughs> right? um, yep. we were, we're liberal. Uh, we don't know the gospel. Right? Mm. Our, preachers, uh, our preachers are more entertainers than, than teachers of the Bible. And, mm. um, and we don't consider sin or church discipline to be important. And we're more, we're more focused on, on a social agenda. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And uh, so that's interesting. How our how our, our backgrounds are, are so different, but they converge um, yep. in in white evangelicalism mm-hmm. uh, in ways. And it wasn't. In, and I said in Bible college and 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 listened. And you know, and I was I just didn't have the apparatus to question a lot of things that that they were saying. I was so eager to learn, right? Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't until um, 
I don't know, several years later where I begin to appreciate that. No. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. Pastor Crockett, a gentleman out of uh, uh, my mentor, uh, he's going to be with the Lord now out of Chicago. And he said, listen, he said, and he told me, he said, I know you like, um, you know, John MacArthur. I know he said, but God made you a black preacher. <laughs> Mm. And, he, and, he, and he said, young pastor, that's what he would call me all the time. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we had been married many years. We had grandchildren. He still called me young pastor. It was beautiful. Because <laughs> he had 40 years on me, so I guess I was, right? But, wow. uh, yeah, it took, and, and, and now to, you know, to appreciate that there is some, some value um, in, in being made the kind of people we are, you know, mm. and, and we're made, you know, we, we are made in the image of God as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's interesting, Dr. Ray, as I was resonating with, uh, with your history there, that, that's, a, so, 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 so you went to, you were at Wheaton mm-hmm. and you met this guy at Wheaton. That's right. <laughs> but that's right. Now, how'd you get to Wheaton, brother? Tell us, give us, <laughs> get, give us your story up to, uh, from where you came to way yeah. up in North, way up in, way up in the uh, Chicagoland area and cold. Yeah. Wheaton. Oh, Lord have mercy. I didn't bring, I didn't, I didn't know you needed what a winter coat was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I was born in El Paso, Texas, you know, I'm a son, a son of a, a Mexican immigrant and a, and a Anglo woman. Um, you know, and and, and being uh, the the progeny of that, and then also for my mother, uh, even though she blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, her stepmother uh, is a Mexicana, and so she grew up in a very Mexican uh, culture in a Mexican city uh, in El Paso, and so for me, my upbringing um, was a very Mexican culture. Um, if you've ever been to El Paso, you, you understand like a border town. And uh, and so uh, we lived actually lived the first couple years of my life in in uh, Ciudad Juarez for for you English speakers Juarez but Ciudad Juarez and uh, uh, thank thank you brother thank you <laughs> you you like Pastor Lou like where's that <laughs> well you know um, I I didn't tell you this but um, but my son our oldest boy is married to second generation Mexican mm. her her dad is from Oaxaca. Oaxaca, yeah. yeah. So, see, man, I got the lingo, bruh. You got I, it, man. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Oaxaca's gorgeous, too. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to get us to and, go one of these days. but uh, Oh, you got to. Yeah. I, I've never been, but I've just seen images and, and videos, and it's just gorgeous, gorgeous terrain. Um, so, we uh, then, you know, uh, my parents uh, divorced when I was very young, Um Mom was a single mother for for the for a number of years, and uh, and so then she remarried my my stepdad, who you know my dad, and then they moved to Austin for they wanted a fresh start, and uh, my both my parents you know working class individuals um, you know worked nonstop, uh, and so we really didn't have time to go to church. You know we all would have identified as a Christian, mm-hmm. at least that was what we would have said back then. But we we all identified. Um, but, but really the Lord, uh, really, uh, began drawing my heart, uh, intensifying, drawing my heart when I was in high school, I was a, a freshman, uh, uh, friends who were inviting me to FCA, the fellowship of Christian athletes. And, and I went mainly for the social, uh, aspects and it was there, uh, that I heard the gospel for the first time. You know, I, I'd seen crosses all in my life, you know, especially in, in the Catholic church and in, uh, our homes growing up, you see crosses and even even Jesus, uh, the crucifixions, but never, I never once questioned like, why, 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 why is Jesus on the cross? Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't until, um, 
my early years of high school that I, that I, that I really heard that message. And so, uh, it's coming up on 20 years this summer. It was, uh, June, July of, of 2001 that was at a FCA summer camp. And, um, and I was there to say, Lord, if you are who I hear that you are, I don't know anything. I've never read the Bible. I said, if, if, if you are who I'm hearing you are, I want in. And, and the Lord, uh, you know, regenerated me in that moment, you know, really sensing the, the renewal of the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, and, and pretty dramatically, there were some swift changes in my life, you know, new desires and Mm. whatnot. And so, uh, came to faith was then I immediately got plugged into a local church. Um, my, you know, friend invited me to is a larger, a mega church, you know, more Anglo. Uh, and so this is where, uh, my coming to faith there, there, there's, uh, a, 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 another racial identity crisis or development because prior to that, my, my entire upbringing was, was a Latino upbringing. All of our closest friends are Latinos, you know, Mexicanos, Puerto Ricanos, Puerto Ricans and all that stuff. Uh, so Spanish is speaking everywhere. Uh, even though my Spanish was not as good as, as, as others, uh, <laughs> Uh, but but then I, I was in majority white evangelical spaces, and, and so from sixteen on into my early twenties, uh, I the the a lot of the 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 relationships and culture that I am in is just white evangelism, and you know no shade on entirely on 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 you know our sure. Anglo brothers sisters, right. but right. Uh, you begin adopting postures and mindsets, and 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 because of that dominant pool, you start having a, a, a criticism towards your own kind sure. and and starting to look down upon my own Latino, uh, my, my, my <laughs> Latino hood and, and whatnot. Um, and so I went to the Air Force Academy for three years, uh, you know, went there primarily for football, uh, but it was my uh, sophomore year that the Lord made it clear vocationally that he was calling me to pastoral ministry. Amen. And Amen. so I transferred, went to Wheaton College, which the Air Force Academy is very Anglo, very white, Going to Wheaton College, which is very Anglo, very white, and and but but I went uh, for the education. All I knew at the time that Billy Graham went there and Jim Elliott went there. That's all I really knew, and uh, that's what took me to to the Midwest. And thanks be to God because the education was great, but uh, Michelle was greater and got got <laughs> Lord connected us. Um, we didn't know this at the time, but but uh, we actually sat just a few chairs away from one another in chapel. And and we we never saw each other uh, until a friend of mine um, got us together on a, on a blind date and whatnot. Um, and so uh, you know, Michelle mentioned it in in a little bit of her story, but uh, the, the, the 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 a subsequent racial identity development uh, occurred when we met. And as we're thinking about our marriage and what type of rhythms and values and culture wanting to create and thinking about kids. Uh, the Lord really used that uh, mm. for us to reconsider who who He made us to be, uh, Amen. Amen. and and then also trying to reconcile that with our faith. Like, how come uh, we know there are Indian Christians, we know there are, are Latino Christians, but mm-hmm. how come we're just not seeing them or hearing them? How come we're not reading anything written by them? And and that began us on a journey of of what does it mean that God created us with an ethnicity and a, and a culture, mm-hmm. and and how do we lean into that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. So so you guys end up at Wheaton sitting I don't know, spaces apart, right? <laughs> not rec- not really noticing one another. A friend of yours, Aaron, uh, mm-hmm. says, Hey man, nice young lady, godly. Yeah. You, you, help yourself, man. Meet this yes. lady, right? Meet this man, <laughs> meet this lady, right? And <laughs> do yourself some good, man. 
That's right. And, uh, and so you guys, so that was how long ago now? I, I did see it on, uh, I know it was, you met, to, you proposed on Valentine's Day, right? So, so let me, uh, so we met on February 12th of 2008. Okay. And and so what what had happened, Pastor, is uh, you know we li- lived in an apartment with a, a number of roommates, and and about half of us uh, weren't in a, in a in a relationship with anyone. We didn't have any significant others, and so uh, you may know this, Pastor Lou, but when you when it comes to to Christian co- colleges, there's this pressure of of trying to find a spouse before your senior the end of your senior year. Like there's this phrase called <laughs> "ring by spring," and and so. Because of that, there's all this pressure, particularly around holidays like Valentine's Day, to 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 get with you know have a date and all this stuff. And so we wanted to, uh, you know, kind of push back against that and and just you know go on go have a a, a platonic date with with a, a fellow peer, and and just uh, you know just put that pressure to the side. And so you know I since I transferred in, I I, I didn't know very many female classmates, and uh, and so I'm telling my boys like yo. Uh, you know, I, I I just want you know, can y'all introduce me to someone who, if I ask on a date, one, they're not going to be you know, really weirded out by it, and then two, you know, <laughs> we're, and two, like we we can have a conversation over dinner. That's it. Right. And and uh, and as you said, Pastor, you know, my boy said, I got you, man. And, <laughs> uh, he and and Michelle uh, had known each other since their freshman year. They were on brother sister floors. Uh, they they uh, were even at that moment in a in a, in a, in a PE class together, and uh, and he 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 said, "Hey, I know her apartment," and I'd never seen Michelle. I'd never seen a picture of her before, and and he showed me to her apartment door, and I, I knocked on the door at night. I introduced myself. Well, that's kind of bold. On- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of bold, brother. But I was like, "Go ahead, finish your story, man." <laughs> yeah, and so you know, she opens the door, and I, you know, I'm not at all. Uh, anticipating what she's going to think, but she opens the door. And as I'm talking, I can just tell she's got a very confused look on like, who are you? I've never yeah, seen you. Like, I don't know what? you from Adam, you know, <laughs> it's nighttime. You're knocking it's on my nighttime. door. <laughs> like, what you doing? <laughs> and, uh, and so yeah, Aaron, after I, 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 pastor, I, I almost understand why it's Valentine's day. You, and you don't have anybody, man. I kind of understand that now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, for real. Well, okay. go ahead. And, this is great, man. This is great. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and so I, I, you know, I, I shared my my spiel, my little speech that I had memorized, and uh, and she said, "Come again, like what you want." And so, you know, I, I hit rewind, and then I hit play again, and I kind of share it again, and uh, and I'll let her explain, like you know, how I caught her off guard, but. Um, yeah, you want to say that? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, my senior year, I was the assistant resident director for one of the dorms on campus. And so the only reason, usually, that people knocked on my door late at night is because they were locked out of their dorm room. And so I got, it, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night. And so I, I hear a knock and I grab my like master key to the dorm, thinking that this must be just some student who's locked out of his you know, his dorm room. And so he's introducing himself and I'm thinking, you know, that's nice. But like, I got the key, like, let's, let's go open your door. And then like, he asks if I want to go on a date with him. And and that's where the come again came from. I thought, okay, wait, what did you just say? Who are you? And he was wearing a, a, a Wheaton football sweatshirt. So I was like, I'm pretty sure he's a Wheaton student, but I'm going to need him to explain this one more time. 
You guys are killing me. You're killing me. Yeah, yeah. And so Michelle, you know, she yeah. had had the wisdom and the spirit of God to to tell her, you know, let me get your number. I'll let you know. You know, she didn't because she don't know me. And so she got. I gave her my number, and uh, and she said she'd let me know. And and so I, I believe it was right afterwards you called. Some- yeah, I called. I didn't know any football players, so I called some girls that knew football players, and I said, "Do you know this guy named Aaron Reyes? <laughs> you know, is he really a student? Yeah. You know, <laughs> got any background guy? information on him? Good guy. <laughs> I got I got all favorable reviews, and so oh. I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'll maybe I'll say yes to him. So I was planning on calling him back. Uh, after chapel the next day and went to chapel. Sat, we have assigned seats and uh, sat in my assigned seat and looked over and I think it was two seats down was Aaron. <laughs> and I thought, have we been sitting next to each other all year? <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> never. You know, so he's waiting for the right like moment. Our, our, you know, godly focus at chapel. <laughs> right. You guys were, you guys were listening. You're there for the word, right? Not for a hookup. We're, we're, we're here to worship, you know? <laughs> plus, Aaron, was, pastor, was waiting for the right time, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> he's Lord waiting for mercy. just the right time to, to give you all his game. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was, that was February 12th, and February 14th was our first date well the first we official to, date and that was our first official date we aaron took me out to an italian steakhouse oh wow uh and i i made sure on the drive there to quiz him with Ooh. as much of of his theology as possible right, <laughs> she, she, she not play around Is that right, man? Can't, be going, can't be going out with no heretic right i know, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I, I needed to know that's right just because some of these big topics before we had appetizers <laughs> Aaron, Pastor Reyes, it's like you, it's like you passed with, um, with uh, flying colors, man. Because here it is, here it is now, eleven years later, right? It's eleven years now. I keep getting this wrong. Yeah, yeah, eleven years. Eleven yeah. years later, man. So you passed, man. You do well. Yeah, By I, God's grace, though, man, just barely passed. Now, yeah, yeah. You, you might, you might want to tweak that game though a little bit in case you're kind of counseling some guys. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to tweak that just a little bit because God was just favorable to you, man. That's yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Yep. That's exactly what it is. That is that's crazy. You know, that's 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 funny. And that's nice. It's it's nice, man. It's great. And um like I said, here's eleven years later. And uh how did you guys end up back or so Aaron, it was back to Austin for you, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So how did you um guys end up back in austin yeah yeah so um you know we, we met that in 2000 you know beginning of 2008 we got married 2010 and uh and i, I met got married i immediately went to seminary and michelle was in her grad school program and and during that time is when we heard church planning came on our radar mm. uh the church that we were going to uh in oak park illinois uh the the senior pastor kind of took me under his wing and uh he said aaron you know you may you may want to think about church plan at some point and i never once thought about church plan i mean i i, I did it that was a new term for me so anyways from 2010 to 2012 i i'd really we'd be really begin thinking about what does that mean to church plant and at that time we were thinking like downtown chicago or you know we want to be the next tim keller and all this stuff you know have because that's what we're reading and the gospel coalition's sure. exploding sure. and all this stuff 
And, and, and then again, you know, as I mentioned, we mentioned earlier, it was in our early years of marriage that we began to really, um, not wrestle is the wrong word, but really lean into our ethnic uniqueness and cultural uniqueness. And uh, we were making a lot of trips back to Texas, visiting family. We we're going to El Paso, uh, going to San Antonio for weddings. And, and I remember that this one specific time going back to El Paso, it was my grandmother's, I believe her 70th birthday. And, uh, and there was mariachis there, there was mm. Norteño music, there was this food and it was like, where have you been the last 10 years? Like this experience and this music and these smells and, and the values and the laughter. And, and, and it was a disruptive thing for me because much of the Christian experience, well, all of the Christian experience that I had, those expressions weren't present. Those values weren't sure. present. That's right. And, and, um, and so as we're processing that and thinking about church planting and church planting was a very attractive thing, you know, was, was a, uh, really a big push about church planting, church planting in Austin is, was a very attractive city to come plants, very sexy, hip and cool. And, and we were thinking, well, how come no one's talking about church planting in these brown and black communities that that's over, that are overlooked, that are, that are distressed. And, you know, and Austin has a history, uh, an ugly history of racism and systemic racism. Uh, you know, Michelle, can you want to talk about that right now? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk, we can talk a little about, about Austin yeah, right now. For sure. I mean, I remember the first time we came down for me to visit Austin. It was such a, it was, it was dizzying to drive uh, through the mm. streets of Austin mm. because, uh, you know, it's, it's in the midst of, of, of gentrification. Uh, and so you'll see this, you know, rundown shack on, you know, 400 square foot pier and beam next to a $2 million mansion, wow. you know, and, wow. and government housing, um, you know, next to a, a huge plot of land and an incredibly, you know, new uh, fancy house. And so, um, but historically, Austin, it's divided east and west with the highway going right through the middle. And West Austin is is wealthy white, and East Austin is black, brown, and poor. And wow. uh, you know, even right now, you're in the midst of this weather crisis that we're having in in, in Austin. You know, they've taken pictures with K View and whatnot to show how all the power is still on in West Austin, but East Austin is blacked out. Um, and so there's oh, just wow. there's 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 disparities there um, that are historically rooted. But it does go back to the 1928 Master Plan of Austin, in which um, you know, more white people wanted to move to the city, uh, but this is where black and brown people lived, and they couldn't, uh, you know, legally enforce segregation because in 1917, the Supreme Court ruled zoning laws um, that segregated as illegal. And so they came up with a plan to only allow uh, minority businesses uh, to be legal in East Austin. And it was because of that uh, decision that all black and brown families moved to the east side. Only schools for, for children of color were in the east side. Only recreation facilities for, for people of color was on the east side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and you still see the effects of that segregation in East Austin today. 
you know, the first church or the, I'm sorry, the first school that we met at as a church, Keeling Middle School is historically uh, the only school in East Austin that African-American kids could attend. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that that was desegregated in the 70s. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. this is not a, this is not a, a long time ago history. And the same with, um, I believe it's Savala mm-hmm. Middle School, which is where, uh, you know, Latino children uh, it was the only school available to Latino children. And so... Um, it was it was the, the the second school that we went to was called Zavala Elementary and and when it was opened in the 1920s it was called the Mexican School mm-hmm. uh, meaning that's the school that you know Latinos Mexicanos go to and it's um, again only in East Austin. So yeah. let me let, let me understand. Let me understand. <clears throat> let let our um, let our our hearers understand. So <clears throat> this was illegal. <laughs> In 1978. Yeah. In 2021. Yeah, it, yeah, that you can still see a lot of that at play. What what has changed probably over the last 10 to 15 years ago is is the resurgence of coming back to the city. You know, with white flight um and and the 40s, 50s and 60s, uh a lot of Anglos moved to the suburbs, but but what's what's changed in so many cities, and you know as Pastor Lou in Chicago, is that now people are wanting to live in the city, like sure. live in the de- in the city center, and so uh, with that, the, the 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 closest residential areas in Austin for for people to move into is in East Austin, and and so East Austin is undergoing this so this rampant gentrification that that uh, again, as Michelle mentioned, that you, you, you have these small 400 square foot PMB homes right next to these modern homes and and huge homes and what happens is these developers come in they don't live here but these developers come in purchase this plot of land build a new house and they sell it you know for four times what they originally bought the smaller home for and, it, and it's just so more and more people are becoming displaced yeah so that's what so I, our church go ahead yeah. so that's what i meant by you know vestiges of what what was going on so even gentrification itself is a vestige of what of, of yeah, racist policies, yeah. housing policies, and zoning policies, and those kinds of things. So even with um, there seem seeming to be some improvement in the neighborhood with larger, nicer homes coming in, that is still a product because people yep. are being displaced, yes. right? And property mm-hmm. is and, and or being priced out of um, yes. the. As a matter of fact, I I think um, Justin Gibney of the And Campaign is mm-hmm. is is part of a. Is part of a um, initiative in Atlanta, to where they um, <clears throat> they're trying to stop that from happening yeah. in certain areas or certain neighborhoods in Atlanta, because people can be priced out of the yes. neighborhood that they yes. they've only lived in, and they and they're living there because of policies and zoning things yep. that, that happened years and years ago, racist policies. Yes, and so yes. yeah, this is uh, this yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah. It is. It is because a lot, you know, as, as you were just alluding to, the, 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 these families have been here for generations. Sure. 
you know, three, four generations, the school that we, uh, uh, Zavala Elementary, for example, uh, we were, we've met families in the neighborhood that have been there for four generations, like four generations sure. went to that school. And, and, and it's just heartbreaking to hear them lamenting that they can no longer afford to live in the community that, that their whole family just knew. And so they're moving, uh, further East or further, further Northeast. And, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, tying that in, you know, we wanted to plant, uh, the Lord really placed upon our heart to plant in this community. How, how, how can we, uh, bring the hope of Jesus, uh, and, 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 and the gospel of God's kingdom, how can we proclaim that message, embody it in a community that has been often overlooked mm-hmm. and often, ne- and, and, and inten- I mean, intentionally overlooked, intentionally neglected. And, and so in 2014 is when we moved down here, it was just Michelle and me, you know, we had, we had a small core team, you know, I, I didn't have the, 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 the uh, you know, t- we didn't have a, a lot of resources coming down. You know, I, a lot of the church planting literature that we had read was just pure garbage to us. Cause they're like some cats out here saying, you got to raise a million dollars to plant a church. And I'm like, what? You know? And uh, I don't read the apostle Paul planting right. churches with, with, and, but we just came down um, by faith, and you know we have we have family here. My parents still live in the area, and, but but we just wanted to uh, relationship by relationship, um, being faithful to God's word, proclaiming His scriptures week in and week out, uh, and just be a faithful local church in the presence. And um, and and it's been a grind, man. Church planning has been a grind. Those early years were difficult, difficult years uh, for us, but but we we just see God's fingerprints all over it, mm. and. Um, you know, thanks be to God. Amen. Well, listen, what I want to do is this, right? I, I want to pause. That's a good, this is a good place to pause because we've gotten you guys from your childhood to Wheaton to like, you know, late night, um, knocking on the doors <laughs> <laughs> to engagement, not to date, to engagement, yep. to marriage, uh, to finishing school in, in the Chicagoland yep. area, right? All the way back down to Austin to, to do church planting and uh, and we want to come back in the second segment and talk about how how that's going hope mm. hope uh, give me the full name of your church hope hope community church hope community church and we're going to talk about how that's going and, and a little bit about uh, uh, a new assignment that dr. Reyes has and, uh, mm. and again as I, as I promised in the first segment in this segment that we're going to talk a little bit about um, um, get her perspective on on our our new vice president Mm. so so we'll call it there we'll call it um we'll pause right here folks on the porch we're gonna go grab some lemonade grab some Mm. iced tea dr is gonna grab a cup of coffee and uh and and we'll see you in the in the second half